Hillary Clinton calls Tucker Carlson a useful idiot for daring to question the CIA. Meanwhile, Taylor Swift could be Joe Biden's ticket back to the swamp in 2024. Why is the EU trying to criminalize Europe's farmers? Speaking of globalist lunatics, Klaus Schwab loses big. Lady Lynn Rothschild on the collapse of the ESG. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Michael Matt. This is The Remnant Underground. First up tonight, a bit of housekeeping. Karen from YouTube removed last week's Remnant Underground. If you're looking for it on YouTube, you're not going to find it. You'll find it right here at remnant-tv.com, of course. But yes, Karen uh, very kindly gave our, because she's just trying to protect the community. So, I, I mean, I totally understand. She's trying to protect mm-hmm. the, the, the YouTube community from those of us who take issue with the World Health Organization, for example. So she gave us a channel, a Strike, and she banned us from posting on that platform for another week. So we're kind of in the, in the, in the YouTube jail again. But I wanted to just let you know what's going on. Um, thank to thank you for being here. Thank you so much for making a YouTube ban really for us no big deal. That's all because of you, because you guys believe in this project and came over and helped us make it happen. So thank you so much. All you have to do uh, is just sign up for my e, my e-blast letter. There's a link down here um, so that I can just let you know when we post and we're off to the races. So thanks very much. Uh, this week now, of course, is, is February and February is... Uh, well, it's Black History Month. It's a time when we as a nation uh, can really kind of look at the advances that we've made. You know, we can look back and reflect on the bad old days, you know, before we really became a utopian society, which is, which is uh, really a beautiful thing to see progress in action, you know. I would say that post-Christian America has finally become... Um, <clears throat> It's, it's finally become a place where modern, caring, advanced, and truly enlightened men can enjoy the fruits now of diversity and why equity and inclusion in a truly uh, colorblind society, as the mayor of New York City recently reminded us. Have you ever seen this much chocolate leading the city of New York? This is representative of the city. That's why people are hating on me. Chocolate people? Really? Why, why Why is this not racist? I don't understand. It's not racist when they say it to each other. Ah, I see. Chocolate people. Well, admittedly, I'm just a vanilla guy, but I really wondered, does anyone actually care what's happening to chocolate Americans all across this country? Have you looked at the statistics when it comes to blacks getting murdered carjacked, robbed, raped. It's incredible. Is, is this working? <laughs> and what about the chocolate Christians worldwide? Chocolate Christians. Open Doors reports that 90% of the world's Christians last year, people who were killed for their faith, were from Nigeria. These are martyrs, martyred for their faith. Is anybody in this godforsaken woke culture of ours paying attention? Do they care at all about that? Black Christians dying all over the world. 2024 World Watch list is out. And quite honestly, it doesn't look good for chocolate Christians. Christians can become 
easy targets. Uh, for those that are looking to, to create instability within those environments, they can do so with impunity. Uh, they, they've received no consequence for, for those actions because, again, Christians are not uh, often protected or, or recognized uh, by the governments in those areas. I mean, think of these numbers, friends, 150,000 dead Christians, chocolate Christians in Yemen, 4 million displaced, over 20 million in need of aid, and we're messing around with critical race theory and, and fomenting even more racism and less colorblindness, right? But what is the uh, leader of the free world doing about this? White supremacy. Oh, it is. It's a poison throughout our history. It's ripped this nation apart. We all saw with our own eyes the truth of what happened. That violent mob was whipped up by lies from a defeated former president. And he's a loser. This is, this is what passes for statesmanship in our brave new world here in America. Mental midgets like Joe Biden, obsessed with skin color, fomenting race wars, and lying now, lying to everybody about everything. Every day between now and November, the American people are going to know that the only reason the border is not secure is Donald Trump and his MAGA Republican friends. You know, only a truly twisted, sick, and evil political party would continue this elder abuse for another four years with this guy. I mean, it's, it's, I know what they're doing. They're trying to dismantle the country by dismantling the executive office and proving to the world you don't need a president. I get that. But wow, you know, to do this to an old guy is really not that funny anymore to let him go out there and say these things, to actually cue him up on a teleprompter to say these ridiculous things. And most of the time you can't even read the prompter, you know. Yeah, so it's no wonder now. We just saw the other night with this, this interview, Tucker Carlson interviewing Vladimir Putin. When Tucker Carlson asked Vladimir Putin if he has spoken to Biden about the situation, perhaps, perhaps talk a little peace, I wasn't surprised at all by Putin's answer, were you? Why would I call him? What should I talk to him about? And Mitterrand from Germany, I mean from France, looked at me and said... Uh, it's so embarrassing right now. Why would the president of Russia talk to this American idiot, you know? This guy who's now presiding over... You know, not just not just the race wars and, you know, promoting abortion 24-7 and calling all of his political opponents dangerous domestic terrorists and racists. Truly embarrassing for this country. And then he's presiding, this Catholic Joe Biden, presiding over the, really the euthanasia of what's left of Christianity in America. More American adults are responding nothing in particular when asked about their religious affiliation. What does this say about the current state of American churches? Is the church affecting the culture or the culture of the church? Well, at this point, unfortunately, the culture is much more steering the church than the church steering the culture, which is not what Christ intended. The culture steering the church. <laughs> what does that remind me of? In an interview with the Italian weekly magazine Credere, Pope Francis commented on the controversy connected to the Fiducia Supplicans declaration. No one is shocked if I give a blessing to an entrepreneur who is possibly exploiting people. And that is a very serious sin. 
whereas they are scandalized if I give it to a homosexual. This is hypocrisy. I see. So you're a hypocrite, says the Holy Father. Once again, winking and, nod and nodding to his lefty globalist friends, I'm ready to throw my entire the, the entire body of faithful Catholics under the bus for you people. So this week he's calling us all hypocrites. Next week, of course, you know what it's going to be. Another H word. Homophobes. That's right around the corner. I, prediction time within the next six months. Francis will be referring to those who are concerned about what's happening on the moral level in the Catholic Church as homophobes. And why would a loving father say this? Like, what if we're just misinformed? Maybe we're just confused. There's a lot of confusion. There are a lot of bishops. There are a lot of cardinals, a lot of priests out there right now who are extremely concerned about the Fiducionic Supplicans. And they're expressing that concern. You see it all the time. You read about it all the time. You see it on, on the internet. So a lot, of, a lot of people would just be naturally confused. A lot of older people just looking at this and going, oh my goodness, I'm so concerned by what I'm hearing from the bishops and the cardinals. You would think the Pope would come out and say, don't worry, my children. It's okay. I understand your concern. But to come out and just, you're all hypocrites. <laughs> what is this guy, an enfant terrible? A child? What is wrong with this man? What loving father says something like that to his children? Francis does. And in the same interview, he gets right down to it. Francis says, and I'm quoting, I don't bless a homosexual marriage. I bless two people who love each other. <clears throat> two people now who love each other. And, and they also love gay sex. I mean, you, you recognize that, right, holiness? Because they're not out there saying, we are homosexuals, we'd like... We like a blessing because we are chaste and we're trying to continue to be chaste. No, 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 it's not coming up. They're just out there telling everybody exactly what they are. And then you have, you know, the guys with that with the mics going. Please disperse. Nothing to see here, please. That pretty much sums up. <laughs> The defenders of Pope Francis, nothing to see here. You know, Francis for what, almost two years now, uh, totally in the tank for Ukraine. That's all he ever talks about, Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. You know whose side of that tilt he's on, right? So now we find out that there's nothing to see here, of course. The liberals, the lefties, all the globalists, nothing to see with this Tucker Carlson interview. Just, it, sh it should not be played. It's really dangerous. It's a horrible thing to do, right? But the reality is, friends, and I think everybody, every fair-minded person, no matter what you think of Putin, Whatever you think of him, he's not the imbecile that they said he was going to be. You know, only an imbecile would say that watching that, that, that Vladimir Putin is the madman that the folks on TV have been telling us he is for an awful long time. You know, and I say this as one who watched the thing, the interview. I didn't see a whole lot of surprises on Ukraine. In fact, uh, Putin confirms uh, pretty much exactly what we said down here almost two years ago. Remember? that Russia was defending against NATO expansion, that that's what this was all about, that the thing had started, that the problems, the troubles in Ukraine had started a long time before, years before, in a coup that was organized by the Barack Obama administration, guys like Senator John McCain, Lindsey Graham, by people like Victoria Nuland, right? The whole neocon cast that went to Ukraine, we showed that clip over and over and over again for a reason, because that's what that's the clip they did not, that's the element, that's the piece they did not want the American people to see. All of us will go back to Washington 
and we will push the case against Russia. We will do everything we can to provide you with what you need to win. Our promise to you is to take your calls to Washington and make the case against Putin to the world. So here's the, the thing, friends. Le leaving, let's just talk media for a second, journalism for a moment. Anyone, any fair-minded person who took the time, I don't care if you're on the left or the right, took the time to watch the Tucker Carlson interview of Vladimir Putin, the only thing you got was win, was a win. You got a much clearer idea of who Vladimir Putin is, right? So what does that mean? It merely means that he did his job. He let Putin confirm, by the way, what even NATO's own general secretary was admitting long before this became such a hot button issue. President Putin declared in the autumn of 2021, and he actually sent a, a draft treaty that he wanted NATO to sign to promise no more NATO enlargement. That was what, what he sent us. And that was, that, that was a precondition for not invade uh, 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 Ukraine. Of course, we didn't sign that. So he went to war to prevent uh, NATO, uh, more NATO close to his borders. And what you just heard there is exactly what Putin said last night during that interview. Why did it take so long to come out? Why were you told that he was just a maniac who wanted to kill women and eat children in Ukraine all this time? You see? What are our ruling elite, what are they so afraid of? What is, what is a delicate young thing like Hillary Clinton? What is she so terrified of? It's really quite sad that not just somebody like Tucker Carlson, who has, as I said, been fired so many times because he seems unable to, you know, correlate his uh, reporting with the truth, um, but also because he, it's a sign that there are people in this country right now who are like a fifth column for Vladimir Putin. And why? I don't know. I mean, why are certain Republicans throwing their lot in? Why are, you know, other Americans basically believing uh, Putin? Why did Trump believe Putin more than our 11 intelligence agencies? Hmm, I don't know. Do you have a working I theory on that? you have a working theory. <laughs> gee, gee, Hillary. I just can't even imagine, huh? That is weird, isn't it? Well, it's almost as if these people don't want us to see the truth. They don't want us to see that while Putin may be a dictator, depending on how you define that word, he's certainly not a madman, and he's clearly, clearly operating on an intellectual plane, <laughs> the likes of which Hillary Clinton could never, ever compete on. She wouldn't even try. So it's just a lot easier to shut him up, shut him down, shut Carlson down while you're at it, right? He is a useful idiot. Just treat the American people like totally mor total morons, saying, trust us, Putin's a madman, you know? Which is amazing, since all of my life they've been making movies about how uh, you're not supposed to, you know, trust the CIA. You got, you know, Tom Cruise and Schwarzenegger, everybody else running around doing movies about don't trust, don't trust the CIA. And here's Hillary Clinton. I just can't understand why they don't trust him. It's incredible. But we were saying this at the time. They had to vilify Putin as a madman so no one would know the truth about what was really going on. Let's just take a quick review of that. So today, if you move forward 80 years, whatever it's been, Vladimir Putin must be insane. Why? Because there's no need to discuss the rationale for war that's laid out by a madman. He's nuts.
So just accept that and stop asking questions. I know, I know, I get it, I get it. He's Satan, he's Hitler, he's KGB. I get all that. But what's he doing in Ukraine? Can we ask that? Or is that un-American for some reason? If you've been watching these people long enough, as on this show we've been watching them for a long time, you saw what was going on. They needed to keep the other side quiet. They needed to keep that witness out of the courtroom because he was gonna blow the thing wide open. And what's so sad is that so many people are just scrolling and watching, video gaming themselves into oblivion, right? That they don't, they don't connect what should be obvious dots when all the most powerful people in our country are trying to silence, trying to stop one single interview. So you don't see it. It can only mean one thing, right? It can only mean one thing. They're afraid of what he's going to say because they've been lying. That's exactly what, it, what, it, what it's been. Right out of the gate, Joe Biden, when he said, I'm not going to talk to Putin. Remember that tough guy? Not going to talk to Why not? Don't you want to stop this tilt, this war over there? No, no, he's not going to talk to him. He's just going to finance World War III. And of course, looking at Vladimir Putin, the other problem is anyone who's awake is going, wow, this is no slouch. Serious historian and geopolitical strategist, smart guy. And you, you take Joe Biden, right? And you put him up against Vladimir Putin, and they'd be chatting about politics. I mean, this would be Biden chatting with Putin about anything, but certainly politics would be like a two-year-old playing chess with Kasparov. You know? It's not going to happen. So just refuse to talk to the madman, and then hold a summit meeting, Mr. Biden, with Dylan Mulvaney. Uh, Mr. President, this is my 221st day of publicly transitioning. God and love you. Yep, there's our guy. I'm so proud. So proud of him. And, 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 and that's, <laughs> that's our country. An open border asylum now where the inmates are literally determining the outcome of our supposedly free elections. Exclusive polling conducted for Newsweek by Redfield and Wilton Strategies found that 18% of voters say they're more likely or significantly more likely to vote for a candidate endorsed by Swift than... I know, I know, that's a crazy conspiracy theory, is it? Like, come on, they've been doing this forever, right? I mean, 25 years, I was talking about the traditional Catholics, we've been talking about this stuff forever that you've got to kind of scratch your head and say, of course. Of course they were using the music industry as a power, weaponizing it. But today now, it's become a monster that's so out of control that even some of the most wild lefties... Are, are seeing it as a serious problem. Nothing molds teenage hearts and minds like music and music culture. This is true across generations. When you turn 12, you're done with your parents and start getting raised by pop stars. And if, you, and if your answer to that is, okay, boomer, that's... That's not an answer. And vomiting an inventory of your possessions doesn't make you a poet. Now, I, I, I get it. Bill Maher is no friend of ours, no friend of this show, certainly. But on this show, we're looking at the extent. This is something that really interests me, and all of us should be looking at the extent to which this post-Christian globalist utopia is blowing up. It's failing we the people. The people are seeing through it. They know something's really wrong which is an interesting 
uh, presents an interesting opportunity for all of us. You know, last week we took a look at Russell Brand, and some of you got a little mad at me for that. You know, oh, you're not falling for no, I'm not falling for Russell Brand. <laughs> I'm not recommending him as a role model. I'm not recommending him as your spiritual guide. I'm just looking at the signs of the times, the handwriting on the wall, if you will. Just citing guys like this as an example of the cultural implosion that's going on all around us and causing, yes, even guys like Russell Brand out there who's got tens of millions of followers to realize something's gone so wrong that he's no, and not just for him, but for his millions of followers, that he's no longer embarrassed or hesitant to start talking about Jesus Christ again. And this is interesting. The reason I wear a cross is because Christianity and in particular, the figure of Christ are, it seems to me, inevitably becoming more important as I become more familiar with suffering, purpose, self, and not self. It says in Galatians, it is our job to die so that as Christ died on the cross, he might be reborn in us. And by the way, this thing that came out of Vatican II, it's called conciliarism. I think it's interesting that the word liar is at the heart of that, conciliarism. And it almost seems like it's for a reason. Because this new and improved Catholic Church, this reset, the great reset Catholic Church, has essentially been deceiving the world or holding back the truth at the very least for well over a half century. And that's what spawned wokeism, because there was no moral authority left anymore. The Catholic Church just got so politically correct. We're not going to threaten anybody anymore. I'm okay, you're okay, your truth is fantastic, and so is mine. Right? That's what happened to the Catholic Church. So of course, wokeism came out of that, because nobody cared what the Catholic Church said anymore about morality. You know, the, that, that woke Catholic Church, that paved the way now for three generations. You talk about why aren't people Catholics? Why isn't Russell Brand becoming a Catholic? They're not interested. Or they tried to modernize it, and it seems just like, right, okay, we're going to talk about Jesus. And like, well, I don't know if there's anything for me. Even still, the light of truth, the light of Christ kind of breaks through this darkness, and people start asking questions. And you see this everywhere. You see it in politics to some extent. You certainly see it culturally more than you used to. For example, do you remember this guy? Tom! Tom May! Hey Richard, I'm just making some copies. The Tomster! Tom Man! Tom Tom! How you doing, Richard? The Tomster! Making copies! Mr. Tom! Tom May! Yeah, see ya. Tom! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just my age, because I still think it's funny. I still, I, it, it's, that's a good bit. It still, it still works for me. But, but point being, there he is on Saturday Night Live, top of his game, big movie star eventually, uh, plenty of money, plenty of fame, right? Where do you think he is today? Jesus only lets you stray so much. And I think at a certain point, um, uh, he grabbed me again and hugged me. If you are thinking about looking for something in life, a foundation that uh, doesn't um, isn't in sand where it could be blown away, and if you have a family, uh, then if you have that foundation in something beautiful and something um, like Christianity, I mean, what there are other religions out there that say, well, kill your enemy, 
hate your enemy and there are infidels and we have a, a religion that says love your enemy mm. uh, love thy neighbor as thyself I, I think that's a love yeah. others I mean, that, that what a beautiful way to go through life it's a little thing but it's an important thing when you have all the fame you have all the money you have no reason to find the lord because you you can buy the lord the fake lord the real artificial lord buy all the consolations you want right but you're still empty inside you see and this is what we have to keep reminding ourselves what they are providing for the world right now is pablum it's stones instead of bread and you can see it manifesting itself all around us right now so yeah this guy he's not He's not all the way home, but he's on his way, isn't it? And maybe, maybe, just maybe, it's part of our job to do what we can to at least try to show him guys like that. And there's many of them out there the rest of the way. Maybe that's partly what we mean by unite the clans. Show a strong force. Just don't compromise, but give these people a place to go where they can learn the fullness of truth. Because let's face it, somebody's got to. The Pope's not. What do you think about that part, where the leaders of many of these churches are caving to being too tolerant and accepting of everything, and let anybody, and I mean, the Pope just had a group of uh, uh, transgenders over at the, uh, uh, what do you call it? For luncheon, the, like yeah. a luncheon. And then he's saying, hey, we, you know, we need to be asking theologians to demasculize the Catholic Church. He urges religions to unite against environmental devastation. A lot of these weird things that he is saying, which is a, let's be more tolerant, let's be more tolerant, let's be more tolerant. So do you think that could be one of the reasons why the church isn't growing the way that it used to be? Absolutely. You see all these different factions, Catholics, Orthodoxy, or Eastern and Oriental. You see an, a Protestant branches, thousands of branches in there. The Lord is saying, unite, unite, unite. Till this very moment, we haven't put a smile on the Lord's face by uniting in his name. But when the vaccine came, when the pandemic came, all church leaders spoke the same language. Amazing. We did not unite for Christ, but we, unite, we united for Satan. Quo vadis Petra, right? Where's he going? Where is this guy going? Everybody's sounding more Catholic than the Pope now. Que quede claro que la gloria es para Dios y que es de Dios. Si ustedes ven noticias internacionales, se van a dar cuenta cómo los valores más importantes que tiene el ser humano, como el honor, la lealtad, la valentía, el coraje, el amor por el prójimo, son precisamente los valores que cada día se pierden más, que cada día hay menos. Y por el contrario, en El Salvador, los valores que antes estaban degradados en nuestro país, ahora son los más importantes. ¿Cómo no va a surgir una nación con valores así? ¿Cómo no va a surgir una nación que pone primero a Dios? What's really interesting is that these guys, the message that they're selling is resonating with millions of people. And the message is, is kind of cutting through the George Soros, WEF, Klaus, New World Order, to bring God and patriotism and courage back. And that, again, is winning massive elections with people who have simply had enough of the fake and gay globalist lies. Well, he's uh, that's a totalitarian. He is a fascist and all that. Okay, whatever. Look what we got. Holy cow. Look what we got in our country. We are in no position to throw stones at this point, right? And it just seems to me, and I'll close on this, that without compromising one iota of the fullness of truth of our Catholic faith, that now is the time in which God is asking us to stand 
pretty much with anyone who is attempting to stand with Christ, no matter how imperfectly, but to stand with Christ against the Antichrist. So last week, for example, we talked about this farmer protest. Well, it's not a protest, it's an uprising, a massive uprising in Europe against the apocalyptic beast that is the European Union. And it's up to us, through Irish nationalists, to protect our history and our way of life from being eroded. We, as Irish people, need to stand tall, stand united, and be steadfast. Because in my opinion, a storm's a coming. We talked about that last week. We're like, ah, it's, poof, that's hopeless though, man. They, they got no chance. It was going to get shut down. Da David against Goliath. Yes. Yes, it is David against Goliath. And what happens at the end of that tilt? Goliath is gone. He's dead. He loses his head. All over Europe, farmers are staging truly massive protests against their own governments as response to net zero agenda 2030 policies. I'm out here to support French farmers because I really do feel that the whole farming community right across Europe, not alone in France, Germany, but here in Ireland, are being absolutely uh, decimized by the politicians, the Green Agenda, and other factors too in the political circles that are de demonizing farmers as criminals in food production. It's, it's pretty clear what's going on here, but I don't know. I'd kind of like this gentleman to sum it up for us. It's now time to imprison the globalists, the conspirators, the EU supporters, the left-wing pseudo-intellectual extremists, and the insane armies of the woke. They've done far too much damage already. They want us to go broke, hungry, and dead. And it's time to take back control of our lives and our world. Look, to start with, at what they're doing to our food. It's been known since people started eating that whoever controls the food controls the people and ultimately the world. Once they got rid of Christ, Christian moral morality, you know, natural law, the law of the church, the law of God, once they got rid of that, confiscating people's farms, forcing farmers to sell their land to people like Bill Gates and Monsanto, you know, so that these maniacs can own the entire country? That's what they're doing. Trying to take your food away. It's becoming obvious to everybody. All of a sudden, Europe's farmers are like hardcore traditionalist counter-revolutionaries. Because they want to, well, they've got this weird thing where they want to continue to eat. It's a little hang-up of theirs. But it's not just for them, it's for their country, it's for their children, it's for everyone, it's for all of us on both sides of the Atlantic, right? These people are heroes, these family men and women, all standing in the way of this diabolical new order. And guess what? 
at least for the moment, friends. They got the EU on the ropes. I, I know what you're going to say. Well, it's, it's not going to stay that way. Well, okay, we'll see. We'll see what's going on. But at the moment, they have the mighty, diabolical European Union on the ropes. Well, I don't think the farmers are going to be satisfied with that. And we should push back until they say, you know what? We're not doing this at all. Because again, this is one gigantic hoax, just like COVID. That's what it is. And all of a sudden, because of this gigantic hoax, being a conservative suddenly means defending your right to feed yourself. So yeah, when we say unite the clans of tradition, uh, we're uniting with the farmers of Europe, just like we united with the truckers of Canada, right? Because, oh, it's not going to happen. Nothing's going to come of that. That's crazy. That's a false unity. You got to knock that off. You know what I mean? That's bad. <laughs> You're actually sure about that? You sure it can't work? When you think about how insane these people are, are you really sure that millions and millions and millions of us can't do something about it? Because I'm not so sure. Take an example. Remember the ESGs? Environmental, social, and governance. This is how they're going to have corporations become more powerful than governments. The ESG Risk Rating. A free, confidential rating tool that assesses your environmental, social, and governance risk. We bring that focus in two ways. First, by leveraging the World Economic Forum's ESG metrics in a coherent framework. So does your company, for example, support LGBTQRS rights? No? Well, then you're not going to have a good ESG score, and so no real money is coming your way. That was then. This is now. I think goes some way in mitigating the backlash that ESG has suffered from over the last year or so. Uh, you know, especially when Larry Fink says ESG has been weaponized. And I'm sure that's an area of concern for you because we were just about gathering momentum on the issue of inclusive capitalism and suddenly financiers and banks and investors all over the world thought that it was going too far. How do you see that backlash play out? So I believe that ESG as a term should be put into the dustbin. Okay. I don't think we should try to defend ESG as a term mm -hmm. because it's been sullied by, it's, it's been productized by too many people. Oh, now, Lady Lynn, Lady Lynn, you're too kind because you know why the ESG have to be consigned to the dustbin of history. The real reason, don't you? I can tell you it's because this fraud made the ESG his very own. So the stakeholder concept and particularly the ESGs are a very important part of getting uh, business involved. That was the end of that. By the way, everything that they touch causes regular people to smell a rat. I want to get the COVID vaccine. I haven't gotten it yet, but like, it's weird because I've never been skeptical of vaccines. And then the harder they try to push it, the more skeptical I get. <laughs> like I was all on board with it. You know, they came out with the COVID vaccine. I'm like, yeah, I'll get that. And they're like, come on, we'll give you free donuts and your rights back. I'm like, all right, relax. I said I'd get it. I'll go to my doctor. And they're like, no, don't go to your doctor. Just come to Dodger Stadium. We'll give it to you in a van in the parking lot. <laughs> Honestly, all Joe Biden has to do to get me to get the vaccine is to go 24 hours without telling me to get the vaccine. I've literally been on my way out the door to go to CVS to get the vaccine. And then Joe Biden pops on the TV and goes, you better get the vaccine. And I'm like, nope, something's up. 
Yeah. What I mean? You don't have to be a traditional Catholic or some kind of uber conservative. No, nobody wants this stuff. Nobody wants any of it, friends. And quite frankly, traditional Catholics, well, we were kind of pioneering this for a long time. We were rejecting what they were serving decades ago. You know, I mean, not, not just us here at the Redmond, but lots of traditional Catholics around the world. People you might not even associate with traditional Catholicism, who in fact were faithful, loyal, traditional Catholics. I'm thinking of J.R.R. Tolkien, for example, the uh, famous English author of Lord of the Rings. So he died in 1973, which means he outlived the close of the council by almost 10 years and certainly saw the new mass. So according to his friend, Professor Clyde Samuel Kilby, the changes brought on by Vatican II deeply disturbed Tolkien. And in the J.R.R. Tolkien Encyclopedia, Professor Kilby recounts how Tolkien had reacted to the first New Mass. And the reason I bring this up is important. People say, well, I go to the New Mass and I find it devo devotional and I'm, I'm okay. Well, yeah, this is three, four generations in. We're getting used to things. And you have some good priests, Novus Ordo priests are doing their best. I understand that. But we have to look at the initial reaction to this revolution in the Catholic Church, this attempt to shut down the traditional Latin Mass of the saints and of the martyrs and of the popes all the way back to Peter, right? And introduce something new. So when Tolkien first goes to his, his initial reaction, to the Novus Ordo Mass, which was introduced by Pope Paul VI in 1969. The, his friend writes that Tolkien arrived at the service, seated himself in the middle of a bench, and quickly began to notice that there were other changes going on besides merely the abandonment of Latin. For example, genuflections, many of the genuflections and the crosses over the altar and over the sacred bread uh, were being dropped. Tolkien's disappointment was such that he finally rose up made his way awkwardly, he's an older man, made his, his way awkwardly to the aisle, bows deeply three times before the Blessed Sacrament, and then stomped out of the church. <laughs> it's funny when I read this. My father did the same thing, and I'm not talking once or twice. I'm talking many times before we found some oases and some underground places to go to Mass. So many times my father, with all nine children, including yours truly in tow, would stand up in the middle of a sermon or whatever at one of these crazy Masses back in the early 70s. And I remember my father shouting, this is heresy! And out the door he'd go, all of his kids tailing after him. I was just a little kid, but I remember it well, I'll never forget. See, these men, friends, they were at war. They saw this, this as an occupation of the church they loved. Right? And that war continues today, regardless of the extent to which we realize how much we've been occupied, how, how much we've been infiltrated, those of us who came much later uh, in, in time. But that war continues, not just in the church now. That's a, kind of the point and purpose of this show. And in a way, it's a good thing that when you take the Catholic Church out, everything else starts unraveling. When you take Christianity out, everything unravels until the same maniacs that tried to destroy the Catholic Church are now trying to destroy the rights of Europeans to eat. First they destroyed their ability to feed their souls, now they're trying to control their ability to feed their bodies. These maniacs, these Christophobic maniacs. Not going on just in the church, it's going on throughout the whole world, this revolution. This globalist, secularist, New World Order revolution, Novus Ordo revolution. So guess what, friends? Moving on, we're not, we're not alone. And that's the, that's the beauty of the moment. That's the thing we gotta seize upon. Not that we're gonna lose, not that we have no chance, not that God is dead, but that God is with those who stand with him. And if we stand with those people who stand with God, God will stand with all of us the world over. So you know what? We're all Canadian truckers now. 
We're all European farmers now. We're all pro-lifers now. We're all anti-vaxxers. We're all pro-God, pro-country, pro-family, pro-freedom. <laughs> Just watch us stand up and walk out. No matter what comes this year, the next year, it doesn't matter. We're never, ever going to give up. We're never going to comply with anyone, even the Pope who attempts to destroy everything that matters.